Ghoulies and Ghosties. Freshen up your frightening frock. Practice your power pounce. And double check that your health insurance covers blunt force injuries. Because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> <laughs> Blood is so succulent. Oh, so sugary. Rot oh. my cavity tooth. Oh, where's the insulin? <laughs> Welcome back to Talk Tall to Me. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together, we are feckless moms, and this is Talk Tall to Me. <laughs> A night hunt in the dark corners of Prague Rock, in which Nick and I, thirsty for man flesh, We'll sink our teeth into the discography of succulent prog rock band Jethro Tull. Track by track, we will walk alongside the Barrymore Bugbears, ride on the back of the D. Palmer Dragon, cavort with the John Evan Elves, and if our nightmares fright us too much, we will crawl into the soft, protective bed of Daddy Anderson, who will comfort us... Your flute's cold, Daddy Anderson. Your cold flute hands bring me no comfort. <laughs> Nick, welcome back. Welcome back, Omen. Hi. Hi. We have another exciting song to talk tall to you about this week. That's it. Everything off of Heavy Horses will most likely be an exciting song. Where are we in Heavy Horses in the, in the kind of geography of the album? Track placement? Is that what you're yeah. thinking? We're only on... That is what I'm thinking. We're, we're only on track three. Track three. Yep. We did Mouse Police, Acres Wild, now No Lullaby. So it is it is smack dab in the middle of side A. Great. There are five tracks, so we're right in the middle there. I kind of wish this album could last forever. Well, this song's pretty long, so... <laughs> this song lasts basically forever. Yeah. It, it takes up the bulk of forever. Before we get into the song at hand, however, how about a little more little more lore, a couple of more quotes yeah. from Ian. Here we have a kind of an explanation of a few of the songs from the album itself. Yeah, let's hear from it. From Ian. So we have the song about the conformist view of daily life with journeymen. Mm. We have Ian's animals, his dog with Rover and his cat with Mouse Police. We also have a reference to the dog in No Lullaby. Ah, yes. Right, right, right. And then No Lullaby is one for his new son, James, at the time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he called it an anti-lullaby, I believe. It most certainly is. I think that's mm. very safe to say. So this album itself, Heavy Horses, was another album that Ian wrote on the train passing between London and, and Buckinghamshire right. on his basically his commute. In most cases, the songs were pretty much fully written before they went into the studio, but as is usually the case, they were some were tweaked and written based on the rehearsals from the day before. I can't imagine it would it would be as beautiful and amazing as it is if Ian just went in and said, this is it, this is how it's going to go. We have no room, like, I just expect you to play these. Yeah. One of the things I love about this album is that the lyrics and the concepts all feel very, concepts with a little c, mm. all are very focused. Every song is very distinct. It's very well thought out. 
But musically, it does have a, a little bit of sense of play, a little bit of sense mm-hmm. of, of push and pull to it. And th- every musician on this album, in Tull at this time, for the last couple albums up until the next few albums, everyone in the personnel is some of the best musicians at their height. So why wouldn't yeah. you pick their brains? Well, and this has been the longest period of consistent musicians mm-hmm. maybe ever in tall you know this is they've really they've they've gotten to keep the same bassist for a long time yep. and unfortunately this is the last album that we have nope he's in he's well he's part of <laughs> stormwatch he's part of stormwatch it's okay, yeah. it toes the line because he was part of it he didn't tour for it but he right, did do right, some right. of the bass on it but everyone has been playing together for so long at yeah. this point that you know you really feel that that sense of synergy that sense of complicity Mm -hmm. between the musicians i would be curious to look at the numbers however of the most recent iteration or iterations basically post martin i think when it was ian and the jethro tall band if you will yeah i think that staff stuck around or or has stuck around i know they they swapped in and out a little bit but i think they've they've been pretty consistent i may have to may have to look into those numbers we'll certainly look into them when we get there but yeah but yeah for this is jethro tull the band this is not ian anderson and jethro tull correct so maybe a little bit of an explanation as to ian's Voice, maybe this Jack in the Green sounding voice, although it doesn't explain it for for when he used it in Jack in the Green. But apparently Ian had a head cold for part of the session here. Oh, for this song in particular? For the recordings. I don't, I'm not sure where it fell in terms of when they were recording and, and, and what songs they were working on. Never mind, I take it all back. This is the Heavy Horses when he was recording. I know some people have a lot of affection for the title track, but when I was recording that, I had a stinker of a cold, and when I listened to the opening vocals in the quiet part of the song, I can hear the mucus and congestion (laughs) going on through my nose. (laughs) It almost sounds like it was processed through something. Well, it was, was. in a way. (laughs) That's funny. Well, and that's typical of Ian to, to listen to such an incredible, brilliant iconic track and be like mm-hmm. uh my mucus yeah to remember it must have been really must have been a real bummer to, to for him to really remember that and i wonder i wonder if he just remembers recording all of these iconic songs regardless of the situation or if if this was such a difficult process for him with this head cold i'm that sure it kind that of that like made scarred it stick him, you know? clearly in his memory for that yeah. reason but you know it, it it reminds me of the kind of the personality of a lot of great artists, you know, I'm thinking of, as I often do, Charlie Chaplin, mm-hmm. who at one point said something along the lines of, like, it's so, referring to his own films, he said, it's so frustrating to do something that approaches perfection, mm. but can't ever be really, truly perfect. Yeah, I mean, is, is that, that's just your, your greatest critic, for most people. Yeah. My greatest critic is Charlie Chaplin. That's it. Yeah. I, dude, I'm trying to get all of the hate mail before it gets to you, but he is, he's a prolific writer. I you have call to call that an isolation. <laughs> Where's your mustache? That walk isn't silly at all. Pure comedy. Oh, fantastic. Nick, anything else before we dive into the song? 
no, nothing more. I think we can dive into No Lullaby for this week. Let us dive. Dave. McGill. There it is. No, no lullaby. No lullaby at all. Not one. No, don't. If I, if you came here expecting a lullaby, you will you be sorely disappointed. Go away. Yeah. Just, just Nick, get out of here. Off the bat. What are your personal feelings about this song? This is the, the weakest song off of the album for me. Wow. Mm-hmm. This has been Talk Tell to Me. <laughs> Come back next week. Wow. Yeah. It's too long. It repeats the exact same thing. It's the same song twice. Could have stopped it. It would have been fine. How many minutes long is it? It's eight minutes. It's literally mm. eight minutes. Yeah. And I think I think this is the seed that gets nurtured into some of those really sweeping, gorgeous, eight minute long songs that we see further down the road in like Catfish and Crest, you know? Okay. Interesting. But... I don't think there's enough in here to warrant it being so, so long. Whew. Also, look at the lineup of the rest of the songs on this album, and they're flawless. Yeah. And that is my biggest complaint about this. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a good song, but when it's put up there on that pedestal of Heavy Horses, you know, I got if, if I got to pick one that I, I don't like and that I skip after five minutes, it's this one. How does it feel to be so wrong I, I, about something. I knew literally that's what you were going to say. Um, that's so fascinating that you feel this way about this song because I, for me, it's, I, I have a very different opinion. It's, it's. You love this song, right? I do love this song. I love this song musically. I love this song lyrically. I love it philosophically. It doesn't, it romantically. It doesn't bother me. There, you've, but you've always loved this song. I, re- I remember you like the length has never bothered me. Mm, I knew it. I thought I, I thought I got past it. Nope. And we circled back. Yep. There it is. It's like you walk by a flower on the side of the road, and you're like, oh, that's a pretty flower. And then you stop, and you're like, wait a minute, I have to go back and look at that flower. Yeah. <laughs> and we look, we looked at that flower in the form of a penis joke. So, Nick, what? Sorry, what were you saying before I derailed us? You've always liked this song. Even in high school, you really dug this song, didn't you? Yeah. I Well, I trust your memory on that better than mine. But yes, I think I think I have always loved this song. I seem to remember. Because you, you are the one who first got Heavy Horses, so you got me into it. Oh, okay. okay. So I, I remember, instead of like me sharing my opinions of benefit to you, you were sharing your right, opinions right. Of, of Heavy Horses to me. I seem to... What is it about this song that you really like? It's the adventure, isn't it? It's the Peter Pan nature. Well... It's the content, definitely. I don't regard it as an adventure story. I, I really think it is a brilliant piece of philosophy. Okay. And I think it also has to do with the way that I was raised, that there is something that really connects, for me, this song really connects to specifically the way that my father treated me as a kid. Y- yes, I can see that. 
And even specifically some of the conversations that we would have around bedtime. Can I get an example? Sure. So just like a rough, it doesn't have to be like. No, I'm trying to pick. (laughs) So, you know, one example is, and I think I've told you this. My dad was tucking me in. I was like six, seven. He said, which is your right hand? I said, this is my right hand. And he said, which is your left hand? I said, well, this is my left hand. And he said, well, how do you know that's your left and that's your right? And I was like, I didn't, I couldn't come up with an explanation. I was like, well, I just know that this is the left and this is the right. And he said, if you can't articulate the difference between your right and your left, how can you articulate the difference between right and wrong? Turned out the lights, walked away. That was my Uh, bedtime story. And I spent the next hour just like in existential crisis. Oh my gosh. Another time. Good night, Omen. (laughs) Good night. Also, I remember one time, similar age, I was going to bed and a a very strange wasp got into my room and was flying around. And I I was quite scared of it. And I, you know, called out and he came up. And I said, Dad, there's a, there's a wasp in my room. And he said, oh, that's this kind of wasp. You see its long proboscis? It uses that to plant its eggs deep into pieces of wood or in human skin, where they can then develop and the babies eat their way out. Good night. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what the f***? Your father is, and I mean this with every ounce of respect I have, your father's yeah. a bit psychotic. <laughs> he's he's a strange he's a strange man, but but no stranger than this song. So another example that really specifically relates to this song is I remember when I was a bit older, I was going to go camping by myself for the first time, or maybe camping with uh, with a friend of mine. But it was like the first time camping without my parents. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was all packed up. I was about to go off into the woods. And I was like, all right, goodbye. I'm gonna go and camp by myself because I'm a brave boy. And he was like, well you know, you might hear some peculiar sounds at night in the woods. And I was like, oh, really? He said, oh, yes. For instance, a deer huffing in the night sounds like this. And he made this terrifying set of sounds. (laughs) And then he demonstrated all the other sounds that I might hear in the night that got increasingly horrific until he did (laughs) the screech owl, Mm. which which he just like is, is, if you've never heard a screech owl, owl, it is the most demonic crazy it sounds like an axe murderer i want to also put up there on on that category a rabbit dying oh yeah they i mean it's all it's all just awfully terrifying a vixen a female fox screeching Yeah. Oh, also a, a mountain lion. Oh, we don't have mountain lions in Mexico. New we York, we don't, but their sound is is ter- It sounds like a woman screaming. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. We had a few cougars. <laughs> Women screaming. Anyway, and then he was like, "All right, have fun." And I I don't know if I made it through the night. I think I came home early. But the whole philosophy of like, okay, my, you know, society says that my role as a parent is to comfort you and tell you that everything is going to be all right. Right. But in actuality, 
Everything is not going to be all right. And I need to arm you for that. I'm going to, it's better for me to scare you now and prepare you mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm. real world than to say, oh, yes, everything's fine and like you'll never be in any danger because that's just not true. Right. So that's what I really appreciate about this song is that, you know, there is a level of kind of ridiculousness to it. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's it's a very responsible and stoic take on parenting. That's why you that, like it so much. You know, that I genuinely believe in and that I experienced as a kid. And look how I turned out. It's a warmer feeling than you got from your father. <laughs> it's like being being brushed with a plank of wood. Oh, thank, <laughs> thanks, Dad. That's That's very... Consoling, thank you. But and now we have a very close relationship. Yes, yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. not like it's not like that kind of strange uh, bedtime stories distanced me from him in the long run. Enough about my daddy. Let's talk about the lyrics. No, let's talk about the music of this let's song. Talk about our music, dad. There's a lot of really fun stuff going on here. Yes, we'll yeah. swing back to the theme in a minute. Mm-hmm. So we start out echoey. We've got a sweeping kind of weedly guitar that is very similar to what we hear in Peabroke, honestly. I believe that similarly mm-hmm. it is on overdrive. It's yep. on the overdrive setting. Yep. And it kinda it kind of flows back and forth in uh, on both sides of the stereo. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's behind you. Mm-hmm. And then boom, freaking boom, John and Barry pound in with drums and bass, as usual. <laughs> and it's it's rocking. It's super, super rocking. I think that the trifecta of the three of them in this opening is is some of the strongest musicianship maybe on the album. It's so, it's powerful. Uh, I mean, it, it's just so beautifully yeah. done between the three of them. Yeah. As we've come to know and really thoroughly enjoy at this point. Jo- John Glasscock's repeated theme of that, that double bass note. Dum, dum. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's the heartbeat in the night. Yeah, it's the lurking danger. And then Barrymore Barlow's drum fills, which kind of pull in and out of the time signature mm-hmm. and the meter, are really just so delightful. He does some great stuff with the toms. Yeah. Yeah, those, oh my gosh, yeah, the the way those two, like Martin is in the back, he's sweeping, and he's he's that higher pitch, and he's he's kind of just flowing along on the breeze, but the way that that the bass and drums synergize so well, like yeah. it is, you're right, like this is some killer playing and orchestration even. And I feel like Martin has really been given free reign to be to mm. to really play around with this opener. Yeah. And I you know, I just love it. I love I love Martin all the time. I love it when he's pulled back and subtle, but I really like it when he's just like going for it and and wanging on the wanging on the sixth string. Yeah. He he successfully wangs here. I I'm he's confident in saying that. Sort of wang. It's I mean, if if there's anything to say about Martin. So we we start out slow for the first 2 minutes in that section Kind of the warning section, I would call it, of the lyrics, of the content. Slow and significantly in three, four time. Mm, Okay. And that three, four makes it feel that much more plodding, I think, because you're not not getting enough beats than you're accustomed to 
you know, because everybody like it's come, it's easy to fall into four four. But if it's three four, you're expecting a little bit more, but you're I think you're not gives quite it a satisfied. Bit of a swing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it gives it a little bit of a a little bit of sass, a little bit of interesting movement. And speaking of sass, mm. at that about two two ten, that transition into that speedy kind of encouraging portion of the lyrics really rocking yeah that's and that goes into four four ah right okay so that just that additional beat in that time signature can make a heck of a difference in the speed that you feel overall. And I imagine it's not that difficult of a transition to make. It's like a prog light, right? And I do think that the actual tempo does increase mm. between the sections. You know, there okay. are some definitely examples in Tall where the tempo is really consistent throughout, but you feel like one section is faster or slower oh, because of the okay. way that it's composed. Okay. This, we actually have an accelerando and then a rollentando. Gotcha. Okay. So those pieces all together really make it feel all-encompassing and like like it's, it is driving you forward. Yes, and it gives you that sensation because the song repeats, which I think, I know you're not a big fan of, but I, I, I think that it lends itself, it kind of goes toward the concept of what a lullaby is. Often lullabies are repeated or have repeated elements. Okay, sure. They cycle back on themselves. It's a cyclical thing until the, until the little sprat falls asleep. Yeah, there's always a refrain. You're always kind of going back and stating your thesis. Right, which this song does. Which, by the way, in case you forgot, Old MacDonald is the one who had that farm. Old? <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. We prefer Old Rook Donald had a restaurant in our house. Wow, as a lullaby? Yeah. Sounds stressful. Yeah. Oh, no, he, he usually picks, like, chicken and cake. Lots of so. bills to pay. <laughs> well, no, he's he's just he's the chef. It's okay. He doesn't have oh, to worry okay. about That's it. Great. Also, in that when we we pick up and we get faster, we've got a double vocal from Ian yes. on there. Yes. It's really nice. It's I don't think I've ever noticed it until listening to it today. But that second one is it's a little deeper. It's a little darker. It's not quite. It's almost spoken. The second yeah. The double. Yeah, and it's it's not a harmony. It's not harmonic. It's just, it's like the goblin in your closet is singing it as well. Yeah. Come out fight with your apple in hand, and parry, It also gives the impression that, you know, this is something you've been told many times. Sure, yes. You've, you've heard your father sing it or say it to you many, many times in... Many iterations and many voices. And, and it's now really that you're just... in the heat of battle, you're hearing it again. Yep. Yep. It's, it's a flashback. It's a, it's a battle montage. Yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing with this song is that the cyclical nature and especially the key change really helps sell that idea of like the calm before the battle, the preparation, yeah. the warning, and then the battle. And then the yeah. battle's over and you have another chance to repair and right. stitch up your teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. At 4.30, we go back. We start the cycle over. It repeats the first part. And, and then leading into the second part all over again.
not before we have an interesting breakdown. Sure. I always have an interesting breakdown with this song. I noticed at that second section, the second of the slow sections, the repetition, there are strings in that one. Are there strings in the first? Did you notice? There's a lock on the window. did. I was questioning whether or not they were strings or organ, but I do think that they're strings. Certainly strings in the second portion. I I can't speak to the first because I didn't notice them until the second. Yeah. I'm not really sure what John Evan is doing in this song. Yeah. Hiding under his piano bench, perhaps. He may be. He's weeping about the things that his father said or, or did not say to him. It's the things that your father didn't say which hurt the most. That's true. That's true. Barrymore's Tom work when he does that dum 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 dum. That is a theme which is repeated on the bass, the guitar, and the drums, and Mm -hmm. Barrymore somehow uses his drums to really achieve some of those different tones and it's just it's just a delightful moment yeah there's like a it's a playful feel but there's also a darkness because of everything yeah. else that's going on around it like this is very the darker side of a peter pan to me in terms of there's actual real danger here it's not just a fantasy it's interesting that you you bring up peter pan i'm curious that's never a connection that i made with this but it's It's not a direct, like, lifted off of the pages of J.M. Barry's work. It's more this feeling of you being a young child are being thrust into a world where there is danger and you have to come to the realization of either you defend yourself or you become prey. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, and... You know, the original book, Peter Pan, is quite dark. Mm. There's always these little images that never quite make it into the adaptations. Yeah, right. You know, little throwaway lines where it's like, and then the Lost Boys wiped the blood off of their swords and and went and had cake, you know. (laughs) Right, right. The cake makes it through. Blood does not, you know. Right. But there is that that real sense of danger. Musically, there's another thing that I want to point out, which is just the end, the way that it wraps up. It goes back into that very free-form almost cadenza-y back and forth kind of conversational between the guitar, mm. the the drums and the bass and the mm-hmm. way that Martin ends it. I feel like he uses either a slide or maybe some, maybe the wha- the, the whammy bar. Mm. Okay. Because at the end there's just that little you know, he um, he makes the note go up, and then you hear this kind of yeah, and it sounds to me like he's got some kind of a slide on his guitar, but I don't know that he, I don't know that that's present throughout the song. It'd be really interesting to find like a video of them playing this. Yeah, that sounds whammy to me. I think. I don't know. I think that the way that he slides the note up sounds like a slide. That definitely. Well, I mean, it could be both, couldn't it? Welcome to our new segment: Whammy versus Slide. <laughs> Choose a side. And we'll find out if you get whammied. It's a n- new on Nickelodeon. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so with all that said, Nick, anything else musically that we want to point out or shall we dive into the specifics of the lyrics? No, I think that's I think that's good for me, unless you have anything else you want to hit. But I, I think we could get into lyrics. Let's get into the 
lyrics. So we've also, you know, we've already talked a little bit about the theme, mm-hmm. but let's um let's specificate it up a little. Yep. It starts with with a warning, with a basically this is reality. Keep your eyes open and prick up your ears. Rehearse your loudest cry. Keep your eyes open and break up your ears. Rehearse your loudest cry. And then here's something that I never actually realized until just now. That the first warning is not about beasties and dragons. No. There's folk out there who would do you harm. Bandits and brigands and and like all of this could be easily construed as, you know, you're reading Grimm's fairy tales, you're reading those earlier, darker bedtime stories. So there there will be bad guys, you know, whether they're human or or dragon and beastie. Well, also in reality, like... Well, but that's that's just it, yeah. Not everyone you meet will have your best interest at heart. In fact, a lot of people will want to take advantage of your labor or your naivete or scam you out of money. I, and, you know, going back to my dad, mm. I remember when I was moving to Chicago, just after graduating college with an arts degree. Hooray! And I was like, yay, the world is so wide and exciting. I'm going off to seek my fortune. And I remember one time he was like, look, some people that you meet are going to want to take advantage of you. Yeah. And I was like, yes, but I'm too smart for that. And then, yeah. <laughs> Lo and then I went behold. into the arts industry. Yeah, right. But I think it is, again, I just think it's an important aspect to child rearing to sort of not you don't necessarily do someone a favor to protect them from reality entirely. Fully sugarcoating does not help. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to play them clockwork orange, you know, but (laughs) just being realistic and having legitimate, realistic conversations that at whatever age they're at, they can comprehend and understand. Right. You don't necessarily have to do the DSAID approach, which is just like... yeah. Well, your 11th birthday is here. We will sit down and watch Rashomon. <laughs> um, <laughs> now go out and kill a deer on your own or you right. don't eat. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing that, that I find fascinating about the lyrics here is like, okay, keep your eyes open, prick up your ears. There's folks out there who will do you, no, who will do you harm, so I'll sing you a lullaby. And then here are all the things to do. Here are all the things that I will do to protect you. Mm, there's a lock yeah. on the window. There's a chain on the door. A big dog in the hall. Speaking of the dog. There's a lock on the window. There's a chain on the door. And the big dog in the hall. Right, yeah. Yeah, but there's only so much I can do. Right. All of those things may not be sufficient. There are dragons and beasties out there in the night to snatch you if you fall. But there's dragons and beasties. Which is also, you know, it's like, as long as you're home, I will protect you. Yes. Once you go out into the world, if you fall off the straight and narrow path, you'll be snatched up. That's the key. I think that's absolutely the key is is thinking about him 
singing this to James, mm. you know, like this is him saying, I will protect you, but I will also prepare you for the world. Right. Because the best protection that you can have against the dangers of the world is your own mind. Exactly. There's something very stoic about this. You know, the stoic philosophy is all is all centered around you cannot control outside events. All you can control is your own mind and your reaction to outside events. Right. Yeah. And your preparedness. So the classic caricature of a stoic is someone who does not react, you know, someone who is very centered and and kind of monotone and non-emotional. Yeah, that's the perception, yeah. definitely. But being able to remove yourself or process those emotions without letting them take you over. That's the thing. In a sense, you're, you're keeping that internalized so you, of course, are not outwardly expressing that. So it doesn't mean you're not feeling things. It just means you have more control over yourself. Well, if you look at the dragons and beasties and folk who would do you harm, they, all of those kind of mythological creatures, prey on fear. Mm-hmm. So, come out fighting with your rattle in hand, thrust and parry. I love that the, the rattle is the weapon of choice here. Come out fighting with your rattle in hand, thrust and parry. Uh, Velvet Mondegreen. Yeah. Is it a bear? Is he shaking his hair? Is it Velvet Mondegreen? I always heard it as apple. Come so out fighting with your apple in hand? It totally sounds like apple to me. That's funny. I can't explain it, but like, I mean, it just sounds like apple to me. Yeah. And then this is one of my favorite lines. Light a match to catch the devil's eye. I wonder if that is, that has some basis in folklore or some folk tale of some kind. I wonder if it's like throwing salt over your shoulder, something like that. Mm. It sounds like it ought to be. But it also is very practical. Like if you are in complete darkness and you light a match, it it will not only illuminate the small area around you, it'll reflect off of anything reflective like eyes. Mm. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So it's literally, where is the devil? Mm Mm-hmm. Bring a cross of fire to the fight. Okay, so I interpreted that light a match to catch the devil's eye. If you catch someone's eye, like, they notice you. So that seemed a little strange to me that you would want to catch the devil's eye. But the the fact of the light reflecting in their eye could could be the act of catching the eye. I think it also, I think it, yeah, I think it's like know where your enemies are. But also, you know, if you... If you shine a bright light in the darkness, and this is, you know, I feel like this happens in novels sometimes where somebody is being hunted in the dark or there's some kind of like confrontation and someone will close their eyes and light a match or set off a flare to mm-hmm. blind their opponent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit like that. Catch their eye. Yeah, I get it. I like it. Or in a sense, light it to catch their eye, maybe you do want them to notice you because if you go out and confront what you know will inevitably be an issue, if you approach it on your grounds when you are prepared... That's true. You know, Take could the be fight to well. the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the old advice. If you go to hell, pick a fight with the biggest devil that you can find, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lay him out, and then everyone else will be, you know, will respect you. All the other devils will respect you be like, and be no, afraid of don't you. Don't mess with yeah. him. Yeah, you'll have or your f- a full devil posse. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. 
Let no sleep bring false relief from the tension of the fray. I mean, gather your toys at, at the call to arms and bring your big bear down. I love that he's enlisting the the ranks of his toys into this fight. Yeah, yeah, he's really hammering home that this is a very small child getting this lesson. Also, one of my favorite lines in this that I find so incredible is, swing your big bear down upon our necks when we come to set you sleeping safe and sound. So, like, it's sort of like trust no one, not even us. Yeah. If anyone comes into your room at night, bash the heck out of them. Right. Even if it's us. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You can't be too sure. Right. And this last paragraph is some of the most beautiful poetics in Tull. Mm. It really is. Like, it's it's multi-layered. I love, I love this. It says, Well, we tell no lie to mm. chase the face that cries, and little birds can't fly, so keep an open eye. It's as well we tell no lie, so I'll sing you no lullaby. Yeah, I love that. Oh, so poetic and beautiful that. It really is. And it's it's more of the same. It's, I'm not going to lie to you if you come crying to me. I'm not going to tell you things are okay. Yeah. Because you are the little bird here. You can't fly, so you have to protect yourself. You have to be yeah. head on a swivel. You got to know where everything's coming from. And I'm not going to sing you a lullaby. We watched Bambi the other oh night. Oh, my God. <laughs> on purpose? Yeah. Okay. I, at the bequest of my wife, watched Bambi. Okay. And, oh, because she had done a makeup look featuring Bambi-themed makeup, which looked amazing. Okay. And if you want to check out her dope looks, you can look at her at Joyalty Beauty Instagram. But, so, because she did the the Bambi makeup look, she wanted to watch Bambi the film. I hadn't okay. seen it in ages. First of all, it is amazingly gorgeous like i had to re- keep reminding myself that like everything was hand animated yeah well but yeah back then absolutely because uh, it was 1942 oh it was gosh. released just as the u.s was entering the second world war which is kind of fascinating mm-hmm. the relationship of that movie to the time that it was released but in in that film there is this theme of like oh yeah you know it starts out oh yeah everything's beautiful everything's pretty and then there's this like real warning when the mother is like bambi man is in the meadow Oh, like it is not safe. Here's what we have to do. And, you know, she trains him to know how to react and and that there is a real danger. Mm -hmm. And that is what allows Bambi to save his dear girlfriend, his doer friend. (laughs) His his, his doe friend. Yeah. His mate, his mate from the vicious dogs. And, you know, there's a sense of it's funny. Like, I always think of Disney as like, oh, yeah, everything's like super pretty and flowers. Mm -hmm. But like. There's a real warning uh, in that film, and the warning is that human humanity is awful. 
That was one of the f- very early Disney's, right? Like there weren't that it's many before. It's the end of the golden age, the last film in the golden age okay. of uh, Disney films. So they were still a little dark and grimy, like Brother- Brothers Grimmy almost, kind of? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it was the early films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nick, anything else about No Lullaby? I like the first half. <laughs> okay. And I do like the lyrics, you know, reading yeah. them and, and talking about them. That's great. I love it. You would, you would just like a half pint of the song rather than the full 20 ounce. Yeah. Pint. Can I get like the appetizer portion size? Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll pour half of the glass full of this song and mix the other with sparkling lemonade. Okay. Yeah. We'll make a shandy, a no lullaby a shandy. A no lullaby shandy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What are we doing next week? Do you know off the top of your head? Next week, I am going to take a wild stab in the dark, and I think it's Moz. It is. Now, I know that you are a total slut for that I song. I am a big moth head. I think it is one of the most beautiful tall songs. I like it a it's, lot as it's well. It's so gorgeous. Until next week, you don't have to be afraid of the dark because you can illuminate the space around you with five brilliant golden stars, which have sharp points which you can throw at your attackers. <laughs> Rate us five shurikens, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you know what? You don't even have to defend yourself. For just $5 a month, we will defend you on Patreon. That's right. That's right. You can be safe. That is one of the bonuses that you get for being a Patreon patron, along with Talk Tall With Me, Outtake Tall To Me, and access to our Discord server. Discord is really blowing up. The Discord chat is, like, really exciting right now. It is popping. It's like a big group chat, but filled with people that you actually want to talk to instead of, you know, your family. Yeah, I don't just automatically hit mark as red when a Discord pops up. I actually read it. It's delightful. (laughs) It's really fun. Great discussions going on in there. Lots of lots of recommendations mm-hmm. for other kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Our fans are so articulate. Yeah, lovely. Until next week, I am the sneaking feeling of doom that is Omen Said. I am the hand that grips you when you step out of bed, Nick McGill. We are the night sweats that are feckless moms. And this is, what was that? Talk tall to me. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh. Ugh, I just, I just, I'm not feeling scary, you know? I kind of, I hate this assignment. I hate being under James's bed. It's rough. It's, it's really rough. You know, I, I had, I was all set. I actually had my deployment. I was going to be in Connecticut. What? Oh, such easy work. Dude. Easy work. Those kids are so spoiled out there. Helicopter parents oh, all the way. You just got to tickle them with your with your dark proboscis on the foot. That's and it. Boom. Fear off the charts. Delicious. So 
be honest with me. What did you do to get stuck here in Birminghamshire? I got too cocky. It's like, you know, it happens to the best of us. I was like, oh, boo, I can scare anyone. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the department was like, okay, you know what? The the reward of good work is more work. There's no I good know, deed right? goes unpunished. There, That's what I said. I mean, you know what? It, in a way, it's flattering. Like, this is a very difficult assignment. James Anderson is scarable, but it's it's the the adult. Have you scared? Have you been able to scare him? No. That's his dad sits in the corner with like just a flute glistening in the moonlight. So so freaking weird, man. He scares me. You know, I mean, I'm not. I'm getting too old. Like, you see these? You see these claws? These are jewels, not tools. I I don't know. You know, I'm just. I think I'm past my prime. I, I think I'm. I'm too old for this. The, the luster of your your bristly fur is is not quite what it used to be. Just, oh, oh, oh my God, what? It's not freaking rattle. Who gives a seven-year-old a rattle? With spikes on it. Who gives a seven-year-old a mace? Who gives a seven-year-old a big, sharp knife? I used to have a six-foot tail. Now I got a five-foot, six-inch tail. You know, I've, I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not. I've heard what? that every other monster who got stationed here never came back. No way. I do, That's so freaky. I don't know if it's true or not, but wait, shh, 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 shh. Oh my God. He walked by the door. Did you see it? Did you see that shadow? Oh my, oh my devil. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm going to, I, I, I gotta get out of here. I'm freaking out. We, we gotta go. We gotta go and just never come back. As soon as midnight hits, I'm going to call the department. I'm going to be like, look, listen, listen, listen to me. I can't take it anymore. Talk Tall to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. <gasps> I hear flute in the other room. Oh, God, it's the end. It was an honor to work with you. <laughs>